All right. Well, good morning, man. How are we doing? And away. Let's pray it up and we'll dive in so we can get alone with each other and practice what it is we're going to focus on. Father, we thank you that your grace is at work in our lives, that we are not turning like a door on our hinges on our bed, but we are up and we are uh, moving and we are opening our hearts to your word. And we're with other men that want to spur us on. Thank you, Father, for the way you use friends in our life. And I pray that we would be more of the men you want us to be so the friends that we have would experience more of the blessing that you intend for them. So thank you for these guys that got up early, for the grace in their life that they would discipline themselves to set that alarm clock while it's still dark to get up and to come here. And Lord, we don't come to punch some clock or fulfill some obligation to you. We come because uh, your kindness, the beauty that we have seen of who you are, obligates us to want more of you. Thank you that you're such an amazing God, that the thing due to you, worship and praise and intimacy is the thing that is best for us. Lord, help us to see that today. Help us to be reminded of it. Help us to be men who know that and therefore encourage other guys. Make us your men. Restore the glory that sin and selfishness and sloth destroy. Bless these guys, Father. Thank you for your love for us in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, a good thing has happened in the last couple of years, and that is that um, we have elevated a certain type of man as uh, really uh, the eptimum, the, the, the ideal of what a man should be. And it's partly because we are now back in war. And when you're at war, you see um, what it really requires to create peace. We've been in a different kind of war these last uh, number of years. It's really the entire new millennia. And it's a war that isn't fought the way that we saw the wars fought in the uh, 20th century. But if you ask guys, a lot of guys, young kids, what they want to be, they don't so much say today policemen and firemen, which uh, is still a, a noble calling, obviously. They don't even always say anymore that they want to be uh, NBA you know, all-stars or that they want to be uh, NFL football players. One of the things you'll hear young men say a lot and one of the things that you will hear guys talk about is the ideal of being the ultimate warrior, which in our country is, of course, a, a seal. But it's a bit of a misnomer that there is such a thing as a seal that's really amazing. Uh, a lot of you guys are too young to know about uh, one of the characters that made Sylvester Stallone famous after Rocky was this isolated Green Beret, this isolated uh, ranger. And his name was Johnny, Johnny Rambo. Johnny Rambo is a myth. There is no such thing as a, you know, uh, Jason Bourne is a myth. There is no such thing as an effective warrior that operates in isolation. There's really no such thing as a great seal. There are great seal teams. The seals have a motto, and the motto is this. Uh, one is none, and two is one. They operate together, and they help each other be everything that God wants them to be as men, as warriors for good. Our army and our military knows that individuals aren't going to win the war, but teams of men working together, spurring each other on, raising the bar is uh, what makes them an effective unit. One of the things, if you watch anything at all about SEAL training, they call it BUDS training, um, is that the one thing they don't want you to do is to tackle a guy when he says, I'm out. 
because they know if they can wash a guy out during training, that guy is going to wash out in battle. They try and make the training as rough as anything you're going to experience. And at any time you want to tap out, okay, ring the bell, set your little pot down and walk away, you can. And, uh, and they will do everything they can to remind you that uh, a warm bowl of soup and a soft bed and a hot shower is waiting for you. And what they try and do is get you to a place where you'll say, I'm done. I don't want any more of this. Because they know that if you are surrounded by men that tap out and love ease and love self and love comfort, it will cost you everything. And that is true. There is nothing in my life, there is nothing in my life that has been as meaningful to me in my spiritual development as choosing friends wisely. Um, God's word, certainly. His spirit, certainly. Um, my intimacy with Christ is of utmost importance. But the way that I relate to God's word, the way that I yield to his spirit, the way that I seek him individually has been influenced by the friends that I choose more than any other thing in my life. And so if the greatest things that I need, which are um, Bible intake, uh, solitude, devotion, and yieldedness, uh, if those are the greatest things in my life, I better have friends that throw me there. Anybody that has been around any kind of recovery community knows that one of the very first things that we say that you have to do if you want to see your life change is you got to change your playmates and change your playground. You got you to have a different group of companions and you got to have a different group of, uh, uh, of guys that spur you on to finding life than you have been finding. Your playmates determine your playground. All right, I say all the time, you will be what you're now becoming. And what you're becoming is exactly like the crew that you run with. Uh, 1 Corinthians 15.33 says, do not be deceived. Bad company corrupts good morals, right? Uh, dads would say to boys, it's hard to, soar, uh, to fly with eagles when you uh, walk with turkeys. Um, don't be surprised if you hang out with the dogs that you wake up with fleas. I mean, there's just one little statement after another that relate to the friends that you choose being one of the most influential things in your life. Now, um, let me just tell you, friendships aren't easy. The guys that I am closest to are guys that I disappoint more than anybody, guys that I need more grace from than anybody. We are not a band of perfect men, but we are a band of men that are committed to each other in a perfect way. By the way, this is why who you determine that you yoke yourself with um, in life, it better not just be somebody who's pretty, right? One of the things that we studied this week is uh, that, that wealth recruits a lot of friends, but wealth is fleeting in the same way that charm is deceitful and beauty is vain. But a woman who fears the Lord is to be praised. We take 2 Corinthians 6.14 which says that we're not to be unequally yoked. A yoke is a bar that you put over beasts of burden so that they would go the same way. If you're yoked to an animal that can't run with you or that has no desire to do what it's supposed to do, it's gonna be hard for you to do what you're supposed to do. And that is why when you try and figure out what you want your life to be about, you've gotta start by asking yourself, what, who is my master? What is going to rule me? And once you know who your master is, then you can choose, uh, well, then, well, that determines your mission, what row you're going to hoe. And once you know what row you're going to hoe, then you can choose your mate. 
And if you choose your mate based on guys that are wealthy or guys that are famous or guys that are um, gonna offer you something, then you just need to know something. Wealth takes wings. And one of the things that's true about wealthy men is they don't uh, suffer um, things which disrupt their love of comfort, ease, and the way they do things easily. They vacation the way they vacation. They uh, work the way they work. They do what they want to do. And there's always some other sap that they can uh, throw on their yacht to go with them somewhere because all men love those yachts. But not all men love men who own yachts. Lots of guys um, have made decisions to lock themselves up with others that they think, I will get from them what I need. What you need is somebody who's going to give to you faithful friendship. Uh, a lot of guys will pursue beautiful women. Beauty fades. People develop. You want to find friends. Who cares if they're wealthy? Who cares if they're famous? Who cares if they're quarterbacks? That's great. Just make sure that they have the same master that you do. And if the master of that man is their love of self and ease and their own way, then they will not be a faithful friend to you even though they will give you pleasant things. That's why it says in the Proverbs, when you sit down at a king's table, you put a knife to your throat lest you desire his delicacies. In other words, when you're around men who can offer you something and give you the illusion that this is the good life because for a moment it feeds your flesh and uh, gives you things that... that um, that delights your appetite, you better be careful to not put that food in your mouth lest you become addicted to it. What you want to find is men that you can share, right, a frosty beverage with, if you will, or good food with, if you will, but you just assume be with them in a foxhole. Men that will help you uh, thrive and be who you want to be. You want to find women who have the same master as you and therefore are on the same mission as you, and that can be your mate. Who your mates are tells me a lot about who your master is. And who your mates are are gonna determine a lot about who you're gonna be. Um, most of us are here this morning, ready to go at 6.30, because we've got mates that texted us, encouraged us, and expect to see us. And so here we are. We're gonna talk about God's word, we're gonna spur each other on, we're gonna pray for each other, and we're gonna love each other. And that's gonna make us better men. When you get around the wrong kind of people, it won't be long before you're leading the wrong kind of life. There is nothing in my life that has blessed me as much. Once I've figured out who the right master is, that it's not my flesh, um, that it is a good and loving king who, as I said in my prayer, when you, when you give him what he is due, it blesses you that I might be on mission to know him and make him known, and I want to yoke myself with others that are just like him. We, we, we use 2 Corinthians 6.14 to talk about not dating non-believers. That's really a verse about who your companions are. Let me talk about the word companions. Companion is a word that means bread fellow. Uh, come, C-O-M, is the word for like with. Uh, panis is the word for bread, right? Uh, if you don't know any Spanish, you better learn mas pan and mantequilla, right? Give me more bread and butter if you go to a, a, a Spanish restaurant so I can eat. Uh, panis is the, is the word for bread. And so a companion is somebody that you break bread with. Now, this is really important, a bread fellow. How often do you men eat? Yeah, we, we, with three square a day is what we kind of do. Um, let's just say, there's a lot of people that eat one really significant meal a day. Uh, 
We eat, all of us, at least once a day. Two, three times a day is norm, all right? If you're really healthy, eat five times a day, right? Anybody who tells you if you want your body to be fit and operate like it should, you don't just uh, indulge in, in, uh, in big feasts and gorge yourself, what you do is you eat a lot of small meals. You fuel the body, okay? When you're a companion with somebody, when we do community here, if you're getting together once every other week on a Wednesday night or a Thursday morning, once a week, you're going to be malnourished and you're gonna be underdeveloped as a man. If the guys you break bread with, your companions are guys you're with once a week for an hour, if your community bumps into each other you know, on, on Sunday nights from seven to 8.30, you're going to be a malnourished and underdeveloped individual. The idea of being a companion is more intimate than a friend, okay? Uh, and that's why it says the companion of fools will suffer harm. The Bible says Jesus was with sinners and loved sinners, but he wasn't ever in the scripture a companion of sinners. That wasn't who he lived with and fueled himself with. Um, when you are a brother with somebody, you break bread with them, you eat with them, you are with them throughout the course of your day. The reason so many of us are in community and our lives are still a wreck is because we do this thing called community, which is not community at all if we do it this way. We meet for an hour, hour and a half a week, or every other week, and we are malnourished. A true companion is somebody you're with all the time, and you see three, four, five, six times a day, if not physically, through text, through phone calls, through encouragement. And you are running together, and it nourishes the soul. A guy that every time you're with him, it makes you a better man. That's why SEALs train together. When you're ready to quit, you look, you see that guy's not quitting. When one guy's injured, they pick him up and they go. We're like geese that fly together, all right? And uh, the flap of your wings creates an, uh, an updraft that helps me fly along. And when I'm weary, uh, I'll drop back, you lead for a while, and what's the guy? What are the geese behind you? It's not the geese out front that's honking, it's the ones in the back saying, keep going, keep going, this is right. What we're doing is good. We have to run and fly together, not meet just at, from 6.30 to eight o'clock on Thursday mornings. That's guys you go to meet with not companions. It's why we call you to do life together, not see each other once a week. And who your friends are determine more about you than almost anything. Um, most of your life, you have had somebody there to encourage you. In fact, nothing will screw us up as much as not having the primary provision that God intends for you there to encourage you. Um, all men, every guy, needs somebody to affirm them, to hold them accountable, and to show that I accept you and I am committed to you. That's what they need, acceptance, affirmation, and accountability. And when dad's not there to show you I love you, I believe you've got what it takes, to affirm you in uh, the choices that you make and to hold you accountable when you make bad choices, that puts a man at a major disadvantage. We've all talked about that already. Um, by God's grace, when you grow up, you, you start to track. I don't care if you're part of a band. I don't care if you're part of a, a club or part of an athletic team. All of a sudden, you've got a mentor, a coach, that is there to say, you're accepted. You're part of this team. I'm going to affirm your um, unique ability to contribute to this team. And I'm going to give you accountability so that you will be more of this team than you are supposed to be. We have that, most of us, through much of our life. And what happens when guys get through their fraternal living in our society, really through verse 
uh, you know, the first 21 years, then you kind of break off and men slowly drift in our culture towards isolation. And uh, they've got friends they used to have, teams they used to be on, but they're not regularly experiencing real male companionship and affection and acceptance and accountability. And we drift every time. We get off teams, we drift. And uh, one is none and two is one. And a band of three cords is not easily broken, it says in Ecclesiastes chapter four, verse nine and 10. And so we need teams. God designed us for teams. And who your team is will determine a lot about who you're going to be. Um, there is a classic example of this in scripture. In 1 Kings chapter, four, chapter 11, it talks about Solomon. Let me just show you something. Uh, in 1 Kings 11, one through four, it says King Solomon loved many foreign women. That's a problem, okay? Um, we, there's a proverb that we studied this week uh, that says a man of many friends will come to ruin. Let me just, it's one of the questions you answered. Here's what that means. It doesn't mean if you've got lots of companions, lots of guys in your team, uh, it's gonna be a problem. What that means is if I'm a friend with you and I'm a friend with you and I'm a friend with you, Bill Clinton is the definition of this proverb. Right when Clinton got elected, um, I know some guys that were invited to the White House. They were evangelical leaders of their day. And, um, and one of them was my friend Chuck Swindoll. Chuck was up there and was invited to come and meet with him in an intimate setting. About eight to ten guys were with Clinton. And Clinton sat in that room and he went around and he just looked at those guys and he just said, hey man, guys, I'm so glad you're here. I'm not going to be the president I need to be. If you men don't pray for me and help me, I'm a man of faith. God's word influences my life. In fact, I'd love to hear what word, what, what scripture has recently impacted your life. And they all went around the room and they told the president what had impacted them. And, and, uh, and Clinton just listened and kind of bit his lip like he's prone to do. You know, shared, he goes, well, man, that's a great one. Here's one. He quoted verse after verse to them. And he got up and he walked out of that room and they thought, man, we got one of ours. This is amazing, right? This guy's gonna, this guy can, can talk our language and do our stuff. He got right up out of that room. I don't know if you guys remember what Clinton did on day one of his office. And he walked into a room of, um, of folks who were pushing very liberal agendas. And he signed into uh, law through executive order, if you will, that which began to erode our country and ultimately led to the breakdown of the family unit. He walked right out of that one room and walked into another room where, if you will, um, you know, the Rainbow Coalition said, we got our guy finally in the White House. And what they're really, what, what, what people have told me about Clinton for a long time, and I believe it's true, if Bill was here, we'd like him more than anybody. He has just got this way about him. He can, he can swim incredibly well in evangelical circles and he can swim incredibly well in other kinds of circles. And that is not a compliment. There is no, uh, it doesn't mean he doesn't love well and treat all people with equal respect. What I'm saying is he's a companion with all kinds of different folks, a chameleon. That's not a gifted man. That's not a godly man. And so um, Solomon, he didn't care if you worship the Yahweh of Abraham and he didn't care if you worship Molech. He just cared that you were pretty and you could do something for him. This is what it says about Solomon. 
Moabites, Ammonites, Edomites, Sidonians, and Hittite women. I don't care what you worship, as long as you look good, come on. It says, when he was old, verse 4, his wives turned his heart away after other gods. That's what companions always do. Don't be deceived. Bad company corrupts good morals. And his heart was not devoted to the Lord because his friends weren't. They had different masters, so they were on different missions, and therefore they were bad mates. You go forward from that, and you're going to see that when Solomon dies in the next chapter, his son ascends to be a king. And what his son had learned is when you're in control and you're power, in power, you don't do what a loving God commands you to do who blesses you. You do what your flesh wants to do, and that will bless you. And so Rehoboam is his boy, and uh, all the assembly of the, of the nation comes to him now that he's king, and, uh, and they say in verse 4 of 1 Kings 12, your father made our yoke hard. Now therefore lighten the hard service of your father and his heavy yoke which he put on us, and we will serve you. He said, give me three days to think about it. In verse 5, so King Rehoboam consulted with the elders who had served his father Solomon while he was still alive. The old man who had seen... Um, the rise and fall of King Solomon. And they knew what brought blessing. They were around Solomon when he wrote Ecclesiastes chapter 12. And Ecclesiastes chapter 12 just basically says this. Hey, everything is folly except this one thing, and that's to fear God and to seek him with all of your heart. Solomon is the one guy in scripture that ran out of uh, mirages before he ran out of money. In other words, he was well-funded enough to chase every pleasure man could chase. And he said, all of them left me empty. The only thing that satisfies and brings blessing is seeking the Lord with all of your heart. He learned that through experience, even though he didn't have to. And so these wise men who had lived many years said, don't do what your daddy did. Do what your dad knows is true. Follow the Lord. And it says, um, how do you counsel me? Verse six, Rehoboam says to the old men. And, and the old man said, verse seven, if you'll be a servant to this people, servant leadership. Uh, and you will serve them and grant them their petitions, speak good words to them, then they will be your servants forever. But he forsook the counsel of the elders which they had given him and consulted with the young men who grew up with him and served him. Who said, hey baby, this is our time. Your daddy partied hard, it's time for us to party hard. Don't let the old men tell us now, don't do what I did. Because they're just trying to keep us from having the fun they had. Let's go get her done. And you're gonna find that when Rehoboam filed the council of fools, of young men who thought they were gonna be the one that could tame sin and live contrary to the word of God and not suffer for it, that it ripped the kingdom away from him and cost him everything. Who your counselors are determines more about you than almost anything there is in life. Every single one of us need men that are our companions. I want to say this again, guys. I love that you're here, but if, I'm not, if you're not going to see other godly men or really interact with or talk to other godly men until next Thursday at 6.30, you are going to be malnourished spiritually. If you're not going to read your Bible again until next Thursday morning at 6 o'clock so you have something to say when you meet at 6.30, you're going to be malnourished spiritually. Companions are breadfellows. Every time you eat, you ought to ask yourself, when's the last time a man affirmed me, held me accountable, and told me that this is the way to live if I want to be the man that God wants me to be? Every time you eat, I am reminded of what love looks like. That's why I'm telling you guys, I, 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 I 
Try and commune with Christ all day long. He never leaves me or forsakes me. But especially when I eat, I stop and I go, Lord, this is what love looks like. Your body was broken. Your blood was shed. That's why Jesus said, as often as you eat, do this in remembrance of me. That wasn't something that happened the first Sunday of the month when some guy in a robe led you through some small service where you get a, a, a cracker and a shot. Every meal in ancient Israel had bread and wine. And he said, every time you break it, you be reminded of what love looks like, that I died for you and I'm a faithful friend and you live for me. And you want to be around other men that remind you of that with the way they live. Hey, he died for me, I'm going to live for him. How are we living for him? How are we thinking about him? How are we serving him? Uh, we need companions. We don't need guys we meet Thursday morning at 6.30. And guys, we need men that are disciplining themselves. Let me just say something. Seals aren't great just because they're on a team. They're great because they do individually what they should do so the team collectively can be what it should be. That's why when you talk about community here at Watermark, the very first value of community is that you devote daily. That you individually do what you're supposed to do so that when you show up, we can do the drill together as a team. Um, I, I, uh, I love what uh, Bonhoeffer said. He said this, let the man who cannot be alone beware of community. Let him who is not in community beware of being alone. Each by itself has profound perils and pitfalls. In other words, if your only spiritual life is when you're with community, you're, you're, it's not gonna really bless you. You try and just show up and do what SEAL teams do when you're on the SEAL team, you'll throw up. But you gotta do what you're supposed to do alone so you can operate on that team. And if you just do what you're supposed to do alone, all right, you'll never be the man that you're supposed to be. One who wants fellowship without solitude plunges into a world, um, into the void of just words, okay, and feelings. In other words, we talk about who we are as men and we feel like, you know, I'm part of this team, but you're not really a team member. But the one who seeks solitude without fellowship. It says, Bonhoeffer says, perishes in the abyss of vanity, self-infatuation, and despair. Here's the truth. Every single one of us um, will become less than the man that we should be if we become less with other men. Um, every single one of us we'll start to uh, let foreign women catch our eyes unless there's somebody else there. I, I don't know about you, okay? I've never gotten to the place uh, in my life where I go to a buddy when I'm with him, hey, let's watch porn together. And, uh, and let's do this thing that whenever we do it alone, when we're done, we feel good for a minute, but then we got guilt and shame that racks us. Hey, let's just stand here by each other and masturbate. I've never gotten there. But when I get alone sometimes, when I was, I mean, when I'm alone as a man, even now, my mind can start to drift. And I need men around me that are gonna help me not go, let's not let our eyes follow those foreign women. I don't know about you, but I'm not looking at crap on my computer when I'm with other men. 
And so guys, isolation will kill you. I'm going to just end with a little bit of levity. I love this video because I want to say this to you. Some of you guys need to change your playmates and your playground. Some of you guys need playmates because you're alone way too much and you've given your heart to foreign women. And you're eating once a week here at Summit, but you're not really fellowshipping with the king. This is not the most well-produced video in the world, but man, it communicates. Watch this. Joe. Nice gorilla. Nice. Joe has a big problem. Nice gorilla. Oh, 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 bad gorilla. Bad monkey. Oh, my and he lives with it every day. It started out small. Can you get it to me tonight? Oh, so cute. And it got too big to hide. Honey? I found this in the drain. The problem? Steals Joe's energy. <laughs> Robs his money. Yeah, I have a thousand bananas for Mr. G. Orilla. Oh, thank you. And affects his health. Oh, I can't come into work today. My chest is killing me. <laughs> his friends are suspicious. Hey, Joe, how about those snacks? Come on, Rosa! Joe? And his family is scared. Oh, left hand green. knows he has to do something before he loses everything. Joe, we cannot live with this gorilla anymore. We just what, can't. What gorilla? No, I don't have a gorilla. We're done. What gorilla? Look, I don't have a gorilla. I don't, I don't have a gorilla. I don't have a gorilla! Joe tries to fight his problem. That's it. You and me right now. end, the problem always wins. Joe wants to be free. This is me. I have a pet gun. He wants his life back. Sir, driving under the influence of a gorilla is a very serious offense. My car! Don't worry. He'll be back. But before he can be free, Joe has to do one thing. Hi, I'm Joe, and... Admit the truth. I have a pet gorilla. Hi, Joe! Because it's the truth that sets you free. You don't have to answer that, you know. And accountability that keeps you there. I know. Funny Silly video, but I'm going to tell you something. A lot of you guys watch that, and you know you got gorillas. And you hide them all you can. Your friends are suspicious. Your family's scared. You feel lousy. It's sapping your energy. It's killing your relationship with the Lord. 
And one of the things you got to do is you just got to say, hey, guys, this morning I got a gorilla. And I need men who will go to war with me because I cannot take this thing out. It's bigger than me and it kicks my butt. And secondly, I keep remembering when it was just so this cute little thing that gave me some life. You're never going to get rid of that playmate unless you get, you know, at the playground of sin, unless you get some new playmates that will take out that thing which is destroying you. And you got to be with them all the time. And so let's go to war together. All right, not just now, but all throughout the week. Come up with a plan, guys. You can start with just saying, man, who's got a gorilla? We've all got gorillas, man. Every single one of us know what it is or know what it was or know what it will be. Tell your companions. Let's go. See you.